0: Talking about the things that make your home service business go marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. And one. I'm sorry, I can't. Oh, wait. I'm sorry, Megs. Hi. <laughs> Happy Good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome
1: to Fight Club. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Good morning. This right. Good Good happens so often where we're like, but but wait. And then, nope, we're gone. We're
2: live. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see Tay. So I'm glad Tay made it. I was like, but we're,
3: what? Right. what? I am here. On, she's yeah. here.
1: I was
2: late. I forgot to let the dogs out and they
1: were uh, chomping at the bit. So I didn't want them barking the whole show. (laughs) Um, But no, good morning. Welcome to Fight Club for Business, the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems and culture. We're a team of self-employed industry experts, and this week we get to be joined by the one and only Matt Clark. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt.
4: (laughs) It is my pleasure to hang out with you rock stars. So awesome to have me. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. We're super excited to have you. Um, For those listeners that may not know you or know about you, could you just give them a brief rundown of yourself and kind of your background?
4: I will. I'll give you this short and quick. Um, OK, <laughs> so 35 years ago no. So uh, I am a third generation blue collar guy, grew up working in a family business. I get it. Don't work. Don't get paid. No paid vacation. Uh, fast forward that my journeys. my journeys took me through college. And then ultimately, I ended up going to work in NASCAR for 15 years, building high performance pit crews for drivers. Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson. Prior to that, I started a small cleaning company that went on pause as, as I did this 15 year stint. When that was over, and they said we're not going to have you back at Fox Sports TV, um, you're a middle-aged white guy, and we've got plenty of you, so we don't need you. <laughs> so again, no knocks, right? It was it was a great t- transition. I came back to the cleaning industry, and I got connected with Brandon Vaughn, became a Conquer coach. I also coach and speak outside of Conquer. So in a nutshell, my full-time job now is building high-performance teams and helping people crush self-limiting beliefs, along with being a Conquer coach.
1: Oh, awesome. This is gonna be fun. We're gonna integrate some sports, I feel like, maybe Let's and- do it. Let's I have a do I, I don't know. I just have a gut <laughs> feeling about that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Matt. And for those new listeners or returning listeners, my name is Taylor Moroni. I co-own a power washing company and paper sealing company in South Florida with my husband. And my background is in marketing. That's where I really found my passion to help business owners understand what those crazy numbers mean when they come to you from your marketing company and kind of break that down a little bit easier so you can digest it and understand it and then make better decisions based upon that. So super excited to be with you guys today and happy Tuesday
2: and welcome back to Fight Club yay welcome to fight club i did something to my computer so i can't actually see you so if i disappear i'm sorry i'll come back uh, but my name is megan likes and i'm the founder of bookkeeping academy online i educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so they can live more financially worrying lives i'm also the owner of likes accounting company a full service accounting firm where you can outsource all those nasty bookkeeping tasks actually get a budget have a bookkeeper hold you accountable to that budget and use those numbers to make better decisions faster in your business. I am the CEO of Jeff Likes Clean Windows and Gutters here in Northern California, a company that I started with my husband, Jeff, and a whole bunch of other things, but we try to keep you to the top three. And I'm really happy to be back this week, even though I, I, I'm i still recovering from New Orleans. I don't know how Martha, event organizer extraordinaire, is like, she's rocking it today. But man, that, that was a fun one, a really fun trip. <laughs>
0: Hey there, Matt. I'm Michelle Myers, co-owner of Pink Collars, and we put remote admin rock stars in your business. And then I'm also the proud co-owner of a Wise Coatings location in Loudoun County. And my husband and I are having a lot of fun working with Brandon on that. I am thrilled to see you. And not only do we share a lot of things in common, we might share a husband in common with cigars, but we'll talk about that later. Um, Welcome to Fight Club. I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) Thanks.
3: All right. And rounding it out, I'm Martha Woodward. I am the co-founder of Quality Driven Software. And yes, we just had a big conference last week coming back from that. Um, and I just help people build happier workplaces. So welcome to Fight Club, Matt. And Tay is going to get you started in all things marketing.
4: Let's go. Let's get I it on. It. Ding, ding, ding. Ding. <laughs>
1: begins. Let's go. No. um, So, Matt, I do want to talk about you talked about building performance driven teams, but I feel like performance driven marketing is something that people really do want to have for their business. I talked a little bit about this last week and kind of different ways to get started. Um, But since you are a conquer coach, you do have the opportunity to really get to look at business owners from a higher level and look at their companies from a higher level and do that evaluation with them hand in hand. So when you are looking at a business and working with a a business owner, I should say, what's kind of the first step in taking a look at their marketing and really starting to analyze whether that is actually performing at a high level for that company?
4: I tell you what um, I like to look at, number one, is the data right? Are we actually even tracking the data? because we you know, we go through a marketing ROI, we have some forms that we fill out, we work with folks to look at the ROI, what they're spending. But I try to backtrack it and it's like, is this data legit? So that's where we dive in. And listen, these are seven figure companies, some of these folks that have built phenomenal uh, companies, bootstrapped it, were able to build a strong company by feel and not really knowing like, hey, I think I'm gonna drop some cards here, I'm gonna spend on some SEO and AdWords here. But then we really try to get granular and looking at the data to see what's paying off. Because, again, as the season changes, things are seasonal, buying patterns. We can't just simply do the same thing every month. We have to take a, a deep dive at it. And the next tool we use is a marketing calendar. Because those are the two things, right? Is the data right? And then are we actually following through on what we think we need to do? Because a lot of business owners I work with, kind of intuitively know now is the time for me to drop X or to do Y or to spend here. But I like to try to get that on a calendar for them. So it's like, okay, put it in their reminders. Let's get the cards made. Let's get them sent out. And then we stay on track. So those are the two things that I focus on when we're we're doing a deep dive on, on their marketing.
1: I like this. And it's actually funny you bring this up. We actually had an admin in our community last night, drop a question. And um she was asking about how she can track her um kind of her day-to-day workload what she's doing call volume wise and marketing in my opinion has a very large impact on that so do you believe that you know our admins or office assistants have a role in kind of tracking that data and if so what kind of ways do you kind of help them kind of navigate that side of it or help the business owner tell them how to navigate it
4: yeah absolutely i think in all four of your areas here Every person in the company has a responsibility to do their part, you know, whether it's money, people, systems or, or marketing. And I, I would say this. Some type of call tracker. I know that most CRMs are able to pull out data, <clears throat> excuse me. But sometimes it's easier to have a quick call tracker available so someone can have the drop down lead sources, et cetera, particularly smaller businesses that aren't quite like utilizing their CRM. But I think it's absolutely imperative that someone has an eye on this. And then every day, like really tracking lead sources, because I try to encourage the folks that I work with. If someone says, hey, I found you on the internet. Okay, did you see us anywhere else? Well, yeah, actually, I saw you on a yard sign. Okay, anywhere else? Well, actually, the first time I saw you was at uh, the Krispy Kreme. I saw your truck there. The guys were getting a dozen donuts hot and now. Okay, (laughs) great. So now I've tracked that lead source actually to my truck wrap versus this big, broad, you know, internet, Google, SEO, AdWords, where where did you come in? And I like to look at marketing as basically it's the mall. There's so many different ways to get in a mall. We just need to track which door they're coming in in the right door and that's by asking the right questions. So whoever has that point of contact, that first person like creating a script to say, hey, let's boil it down to really, how did you get hold of us?
1: Absolutely. And I think that question is so often overlooked, right? It's it's one that some business owners in the beginning, if they're you're an owner operator or you know, you have maybe five to ten employees, it's something that you're not necessarily heavily focused on, but it really can impact the growth of the business based upon how we're spending that money. Because if we're not really getting money come or lead sources coming in from AdWords or from SEO, which again is very unlikely, but if we aren't, then we need to take that evaluation and know what is bringing lead sources and how to vamp that up and put more money towards that lead source. So this is something that I know can be scary for people to really push past that first answer of like Matt said, oh, I found you online. That's probably, I don't know, I think I can speak for all of us. It's probably the number one answer clients give is, oh, I found you on Google or I found you online. And sometimes even with CallRail and some of the call tracking systems, they'll give you that immediate lead source, but they won't necessarily go deeper like Matt just did. He went deeper and asked those next questions, you know, well, any where, where else did you may have seen us? Where was it? You know, maybe, it, we would have never known that it was a Krispy Kreme donut. If we didn't ask two more times, we're not asking to be nuisances. We're asking to better the business. So if we change the perspective on it a little bit, that allows us to be able to feel comfortable asking those questions and to encourage our admins and team members to continue to ask those questions because it does make a difference in the marketing realm how that plans play plays out and that marketing plan adjusts moving forward
4: right and this is how it ties to culture and i don't want to get ahead to to martha because i'm a big (laughs) culture geek but again what's our customer experience right so when someone calls us hops on the phone, like, what is is our script? How do we get to it? And it's very conversational. Oh, and by the way, did you hear about us anywhere else? Did you see us anywhere else? Oh, well, yeah. So we're guiding the conversation. And what I've discovered is, and I'm guilty of it, so that's why I'm so aware of it, is that they go by feel. Owners go by feel, like what they think they should spend the money on. But when we look at their ROI, we do a marketing ROI, and we look at, and this is not to blow up any particular magazine but home mag i spent five grand or i'm spending a thousand dollars a month i'm like all right, how many leads do we get three how many did we close one for how much 2,500 bucks so it cost us 2,500 dollars to get that to get 2,500 is that a good deal ah uh, no no but the, the guy sold me it was phenomenal i'm like okay Like that is not a marketing source that we want to look at so that when we put this on paper and I am more determined than ever because I am not the super deep number crunching type person. So I've had to work at understanding budgets, building budgets, marketing ROIs, calendars like I just pound it in my clients heads. Like, what does the data say? The numbers don't lie. That's how we make decisions, whether it's marketing, culture, systems, processes, money, like all the all the different segments that you guys are covering, like the numbers tell the story.
1: They do. And I I think you just set me up for a perfect segue to Megan. I don't think it could have been any better than talking specifically about how the numbers really tell the story. So thank you so much for spending some marketing time with me, Matt, and I'll pass you off to Megan.
2: Thanks. Ty. Oh, man. I was planning on taking this very different direction. Um, usually I give choices. So, uh, the three things I've written down as choices for you is um, I have a, a small brag about Jeff Lakes Climendos that I think I'd like to talk about uh, that Martha was a huge part of. But apparently, at the College Driven Conference last week, uh, <laughs> the owners were comparing their turnover rates. And I didn't even know that Jeff knew our turnover rate. But Martha, our turnover rate has gone down by 65% in the past 18 months.
3: I saw that. That's We are
2: now below 100% turnover rate. And we realized the last person that left our company was June of last year. So we are on like a hot streak of almost Mm -hmm. one year of no terminations or firings. Uh, Yeah. So we could talk about that, Matt, because it sounds like you're very passionate about that. However, I'm worried we're slightly stepping on Martha's toes. But... The second one is even more stepping on Martha's toes. So, Matt, this is choices in case it doesn't feel like choices. The second one is uh, building accountable teams is something that Martha and I have been working on really hard. She actually just gave a talk in New Orleans on this and we're starting a company uh, to help visualize data to set people up for success. Like this is what good looks like in your role in this company. And this is how you did today. Then they can make faster decisions to figure out, like, am I going to be doing that well tomorrow? But you just talked about marketing, which I have spent like a week, almost two weeks building out a lead tracker using Zapier. And so nice. I'm using email parsing from Yelp and Facebook Messenger to make my admins job easier because we didn't feel like we had a very good sense of our lead slippage when we're off app. So like when we're in our CRM, we're great. We're asking, we're getting all that data. But when, if it never like if we get ghosted in a messenger app that we don't have control over, that was really hard for us to track. So we couldn't track a true ROI. So we built out this pretty epic Google sheet that kind of breaks my brain. So we could talk about that. So which one do you want to talk about, Matt? And Martha, you can have first right refusal if you want to take one of those off the table.
4: I'm, I'm, I'm going to make an executive decision because Martha and I can talk culture because there are a lot of ways to go with culture. This is a segment of a culture and I believe accountability. So let's talk accountability. I am huge on public accountability roles, responsibilities, clearly defined so people know how to win. How did I figure that out? I spent 15 years at the highest level of NASCAR building pit crews where tenths of a second mattered and we measured everything in one pit stop, 25 different time segments. So folks knew how and when and why and where they were winning. So whether it's a 10th of a second, you're off here. When we create public accountability, and I have some spreadsheets, very basic, that I've used with, with, with our conquerors and other folks as well. Basically, green, yellow, red, four or five mm-hmm. measurables that, 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 they, that they use. I don't want to know, like, did someone get the coffee or not get the coffee? That's not. It might be a responsibility, but it's not necessarily an accountability we need to measure. But are we having callbacks? Are we getting five-star reviews? Are we walking around with the customer? Are we doing our, 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 our systems? Um, so I'm going to try to remember my four P's. But I like to look at it in, 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 in the four P's aspects. Production, professionalism, performance, and I got one more P that'll come to me. Those are the four P's that I look at when I begin to look at accountability and measure accountability. Now, we can kind of stay, you know, when I talk to my conquerors, when I talk to other clients, what do you want to move the needle? this ties into culture, right? So this is where accountability and culture intersect, creating a culture of accountability. For some folks, I may have folks that are former military, former EMT, public servants, right? So a shirt tucked in is huge to them. So appearance, professionalism is big. They'll, they'll mark that, right? In my world, on time is late, early's on time. So, you know, again, were they on time? Were they on late? For other folks, again, And I want to I don't want to stereotype, but maybe there's a little bit more West Coast mentality. Like, look, shirts untucked, flat, flat brim. We're cool, like laid back. Then I might have other folks that are super high and tight. Right. They want their hair tight. No tats. You create the culture that you want. Right. It's culture by design or culture by default. But when you go to public accountability, everyone like all the techs have the same accountabilities. Now, your lead tech might have one or two more right? Because their responsibility is to inspect the thing because what gets measured gets improved. And then what's made public and measured gets improved even more. So that's why for me, public accountability allows us to see on a dashboard, on a spreadsheet, somewhere like, wow, okay, Jane's not doing so great. Jill's doing phenomenal. Matt, oh, you know. And then I can have a a quick conversations of like, hey, you've got two reds here in the first two weeks of the month. We need to talk about why you're not doing the process or the system or the thing that we're trying to measure. So for me, accountability is huge because in my former world, we lived and died literally and figuratively by the checklist on the sides of our cars were four or five pages of printed out checklists that every single person on the team was responsible for initialing to make sure that Driver safety. This nut and bolt was tight. This was done on the car because if it wasn't done, two things could happen. Obviously poor performance and loss of life. So that's why I'm super passionate and I've seen it work. So that's why I push my folks and it's not easy. Well, I I, feel
2: feel like there are some parts of it that are easy. And what I've learned now that I've been going down this path pretty persistently is that keeping it simple is the hard Mm -hmm. part right like we could actually track everything but should we and if we do does anybody care so keeping it to those four or five per position i think is huge the other thing that i've really struggled with um but i think is where the secret sauce is is like how do we connect a ceo's vision and goal and that original budget like let's say okay i'm gonna break the million dollar barrier this year or at qds last week we talked a lot about breaking the eight figure barrier and I mean, the buzz around the room was so cool. Like, I have never seen so many, like, inspired business social Guys, I'm going to go crush that eight-figure mark, and we're going to be the first. Like, it was almost a race. Like, who's going to have the first eight-figure company in the room, right? And so when you want, when you have that, like, vision, because that's your role as CEO, how do you translate that down to that lead tech accountability and that tech accountability? And, like, how do you decide how important is punctuality and, and professionalism to that, right? And so that's been really fun. Do you have any tricks of how you've translated like from the tech accountabilities back up to the, the CEO goal for the year? Or yeah, to the buyer goal?
4: Yeah, so transformational leaders cast vision. So there has to be vision casting within the company. What's important, right? So what, are, what is important to the founder? So if it moves the needle, and it's important to the founder, that becomes part of our inner dialogue. It becomes, And again, this is a whole different topic but i am passionate about core values because core values are the fuel to culture core values are what you measure everything against so when you establish your core values they're directly related to your accountabilities they're directly related to your mission so i love building out core values because then when you have core values and you have accountability these are all direct reflections of what the owner what the management team the leadership team wants the company to be and this is how i define culture the personality of your company. So I wanna bring that person, this company, right? I wanna bring it alive. What are the traits and personalities? So then I begin to say, how do I wanna build this? Do I want it to build like, hey, like being on time, professionalism, shirts tucked in, customer experience, the happiness factor, whatever you want your company to be, you as a CEO get to build that. So that's how you tie that all in. There has to be a very clear directive and a, a, almost a dynamic feel within the company of what the founder originally wanted this company to be. Because you hear this in a lot of companies when there's mergers, acquisitions, we lost who we were because we lost that sense of, hey, this is the original mission of the company. Now, when that happens, it's up to the new management team, new leadership team to cast new vision and create a compelling vision where people are like, you know what, I want to be on that team.
2: I love that. So, I'm going to pause you and take you a slightly different direction because I feel like this sure. has been the theme of my week and the theme of a couple of people who have reached out to me this week. Um, so, I'm uh, anybody in spring mode, I'm training, like, just went through a big round of hiring. So, we had three new starts yesterday at uh, Jeff Likes Clean Windows. And um, w- my husband and I aren't involved in the hiring or the training or the onboarding for any of our companies anymore. Like, there's somebody else that does that. Good. And uh, Tommy Mello finished his book Elevate. Uh, it, it was a really good book and it talks about building teams where everybody wins. And he talked about the importance of like casting that vision, even as there are levels of separation between you and the people that work for you. Oh, look, Michelle's got her sitting right there. I, have, um, I was reading it. I was reading it yesterday. It's so, right. good. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, so Jeff, Jeff has moved. Jeff retired in September of last year and he's moved on and started a new company called Street Free Academy and Street Free Academy is going to be like a out of the box training solution for people. So this round of training felt really important to us because this is Jeff's first beta testing of this new company. So he redid the onboarding presentation and it was so fun and I'm sharing this because if you are in hiring mode right now, I want you to realize that Martha teaches us like that first day is so important. You're gonna roll out the red carpet, you're gonna welcome by name, and you have to cast vision even if it's not you onboarding these people anymore like you have to share what was the vision what's the history what are they a part of so this week it feels like i don't know it's just the coolest week because we started with a whole new onboarding first day first impression. tonight we've got an awards ceremony tomorrow we're doing like our meals on wheels big thing so if you are in a new round of hiring and you're tired and you just came out of a hard winter like this is your inspirational story to do it matt just said and keep up that hype keep up that working on this um, to be able to make sure that like, we're keeping up the energy because that, those first 30 to 90 days, Matt, of setting the, like, this is what good looks like. We're going to train you for good. Like, we're going to set you for success is so huge. Any thoughts about that?
4: Well, 100%, right? So part of our onboarding process, uh, I, I work uh, HR uh, partly and um, chief marketing officer for a financial technology company. And we made the first day, phenomenal because you want them to go home and say you know what i made the right decision and this is how we would do it real quick make sure that they had their gear a notebook uh some chocolate so they had a little bit of a you know like a little spark there because it's just financial technology training um payment processing is just so dense in training and then about two o'clock after lunch and they had that after lunch meeting i take them we were two two offices down from dairy queen we at two o'clock on a new hire i walk them down to dq have a cone and walk back hey Thoughts on the company. Tell me about it. What's it like? And they were blown away. What that did is it bought grace for the company. In yeah. other words, because the company's not going to be perfect. You're not right. going to be perfect. But we set the stage. They go home and say, you know what? Best company I've ever worked made, for.
2: Now- or they go home and say, I made a good choice. Mm-hmm. Like Correct. I chose the I chose a winning team, right? I Correct. chose a company that cares about me. Yeah, it's so important. And we, I think something, it might. My general manager and my husband both were ready to let Monday go by. And I was like, guys, if our turnover rate is this low, these guys might be with us for the next decade. Like, what kind of tone, what kind of impression do we want to set for something who's going to be with us for the next 10 years? Like, let's 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 build today like that. Love it. And it, it. It was a totally different conversation. Like, we're not, finally, we're not churning through people. Like, Martha, we did it. And I didn't even notice it happened. <laughs> but it's so exciting. And when you stop churning through people, then... This this becomes higher stakes. Like this is the future of your company. I'm sorry my camera went out. Um, but this was really fun discussion. Anything you'd like to wrap up with before we move into the systems world?
4: No, I, I just I think it's just when you you want people to feel like they want it. People want to belong to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when they walk in the door, they're strangers. You want them to see familiar faces, already have made contact. And it's just big at the end of the day to be like, you know what? I think I can I can see myself here in the future. So yeah, I'm going to and you. I'm going
2: to bring it back. I guess <laughs> I suppose to two parting money comments. One is turnover is insanely expensive. The hard costs for bringing on a new employee in your company is over five thousand dollars. I can guarantee it in every company. The actual costs of lost production of bringing on a new hire in your company is probably about three months' wages. So the better we can set them up for success in the beginning. Better, and then in that book, Tommy Mello talks about the difference between a $300,000 a year performer and a million dollar performer, and a lot of that has to do with public accountability, a lot of that has to do with setting expectations, keeping it simple, and then holding them publicly accountable to driving your vision, your goal, your million dollar dream, showing them how they can show up every day to help you crush that goal. So, thank you, Matt, very much. I'm gonna pass you to Michelle and I'm gonna probably. Log off and come back so that I can have a camera again. Sorry, everybody.
4: Okay, great. Hey there, buddy. Hey, Michelle. Can you tell we have a little bit of inside connection, Michelle and I? We go way back.
0: Just a teeny one. I am so thankful for you to be here. Um, Talk to me because this is something that's top of mind for me recently. So I'm going to be totally self-serving. Talk to me about casting vision all the way through the entire company. I think uh, leaders, when they get to a certain size of group of people that they're leading, they continue to talk to their leadership, but they may not speak to that person all the way in the field, right? That person all the way on the phones, that person all the way, they may feel a little bit distant. Tell me how you, you help business owners continually cast vision with their entire company. Are there any tools or systems out there you're
4: seeing? Well, I, I think it has to be number one, you have to have a clear articulable vision, right? And mission like it cannot be so long and drawn out that you can't articulate it what okay. is our thing what are we about what do we do what do we want people to know about who we are again i tie it back to core values yeah. within our core values that is the dna we can begin to refer and lean into our core values as we have conversation about performance we have conversation about growth in the company and we're using those the mission statement we're using those core values we're wrapping them up in our weekly meetings we are when we when we have team meetings we are leading with core values with our mission we never let them die when i ask when i ask business owners hey do you have core values and they're like um hang on let me there's some i'm like <laughs> you can't nail your core values off the top of your head you do not have core values it's the same thing with your mission statement what is it what is your goal what is your bigger purpose And that starts day one. And we have to live that out. And as the leader, the owner, the CEO, you have to be intentional with your leadership team to challenge them to live out, to preach, to be the um, sirens of your mission. And reinforcing that, like, hey, that was a great job in that meeting. I I overheard you talking about our mission or our core values. Like, we need to continue to do that. Because when people are reinforced and you hear, like, good job, they're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to continue to do that.
0: Yeah. I love that. And back to what Taylor was talking about, you know, in talking about your marketing efforts, your core values can actually tie into your marketing, too, can't they? I mean, have you seen that work well? Outside of the business as well as inside of the business,
4: yes. So when we when I work with, with clients building out their core values, we, we we build them so for our internal customers and external customers, right? Internal customers being what our team members, yep. and we need to market to them as well. Our external clients, customers, we know what they are. Not every core value is for an external client sometimes. Yeah. But yes, we can leverage and use those core values within the company to guide discussion, to to, to guide behavior, to guide accountabilities. They become the fabric, the measure, Mm -hmm. the standard by which we view everything. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. I'm fired up about this. This makes me happy. Okay. For those of you who were thinking about core values and doing a mission and all of that, where can a new business owner start? This feels like it's a mountain to climb, right? Yeah. Do you know of any tools or books or systems? Cause that's my jam out there that that they could start with if they're a new listener, a new business owner.
4: Yeah. So uh, again, we have within Conquer some basic forms, some guided forms, but it, it's universal. Um, I believe uh, in Wickman's traction, Mm-hmm. Um, I believe there's a good kind of outline and framework that you, you can follow, but it's this simple, right? Start with, this is how I like to set it up real quickly. Think of your company. If you were going to bring your company, right, it personify your company. Mm-hmm. What traits would you want that company to be when they walk to the door to meet your potential client? When mm-hmm. they met your internal new hire, what are mm-hmm. those traits? What are the things that you want them to feel, sense? And begin to write all those things down. Write all the traits, behaviors that are important to you. You know, uh, professionalism on uh, uh, being on time, um, mm-hmm. integrity. Write a huge list. Yeah. Then say, okay, because I, I like them. I like them marketable and consumable. So marketable, in other words, are simple, blocked chunks that we can you know use in our marketing, and mm-hmm. they're consumable, easily digested and regurgitated, so we can say them over and over again. Get that big list and begin to whittle it down. You may want to bring your leadership team in and say, okay, gang, what does, what represents our company? What do we want our company to personify? What are the traits? What are the values? What are the things that are important to us? And you begin to whiteboard it. Yeah, that's a good one, but that's not necessarily us. And then you whittle it down. And I am a firm believer in keeping it to four to six at max. Yeah. You get more than that. People will not remember. I, this is this. I did this with one of my uh, one of my clients not long ago. Um, Jackson Hole. I still remember their core values because <laughs> their their acrostic was epic fun.
0: Oh, I love it!
4: Right? They they they're a marketing company, but they they wanted to be excellent. They wanted to be um, uh, integrity, uh, professional, uh, um, innovative, caring, and fun. Like, so they use like Epic Fun around everything. Hey, was that presentation Epic Fun? (laughs) Was the budget built epically, right? (laughs) So again, using that, creating that. um, And I will say this, people try to force, like, I want to build my core values around the name of my company. Yeah. Like clear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, if it works out that way, fine. But if it doesn't just list out the things that you want, will it down and then say, what are the four or five words that describe us? And then write a three to five, six word sentence that describes mm-hmm. what that core value means in your company. Yeah, We get to define our core values.
0: Yeah, so true. Um, little plug for a system Me, here. We use. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Megs
2: get it though this is trotter it's brilliant we've done this for every one of our companies these are called um cleaning business builder core value cards and you can do them with Ooh. your team and she has a little boom and they're like six different versions of the game that you can play with your team and they basically have like 52 core values and um i think tommy actually made a set for a1 as well and you can go through and like figure out what do you what do we care about? What's important to right. us, and you can pass it and it's it's a really fun way to start bringing these into your culture because I love what Matt said It's got it you know if you don't know what they are you're they're not they're not your core values right there's an absence of core values, so I'll and drop I, a link to this link sells these decks of cards and
4: I like that cool. and I like involving the team because they have buy in yeah, I don't like it when leaders like I made all the core values, and this is what we're gonna be like let's do this collaboratively. And they're like, um, I I had input in those core values.
2: So good. And you can use it in hiring. Um, so there's one hire for core values. You can have your list of knockouts. So when you're in an interview, you can pass the deck of cards and you can ask a potential candidate to choose their core values. Mm. And if like one of them on don't hire list or one of them's on your definitely hire list, like you can mm. use it as yeah. an interaction in your interviews too. So I love that. Super cool. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but That's very cool game. deck of yeah. cards.
0: It's good. No, I have a tiny little plug for a software platform. If people are looking for something where they can house all this information, sometimes that's hard and you can be more collaborative on it. It's 90.io and I'll put the link in the uh, notes here. It's really a nice way to kind of organize all of this information and get your, you know, your organizational team all together. So, okay. That's a perfect segue handing you off to Martha. Thank you so much, Matt. I haven't smoked any cigars with my husband lately, but I know he and you are constantly connecting and I'm so grateful for that. So Martha's going to talk to you about people. Thanks so much, Matt.
4: My pleasure.
3: Hey, Matt. Um, So I think what I want to talk to you about is when you're consulting and someone is brand new coming to you and you guys are deep diving into like what the core issues are do you see patterns of what a business owner is often struggling with? and I really mean like within their own personality for a lack of a better term, um, not so much they're struggling with employees or they're struggling with financials, but what is holding them back from growth, do you find?
4: So this hits home to me. I just did a TEDx talk on this and it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. based on imposter syndrome.
3: Yeah.
4: A ton of, um, entrepreneurs, business owners feel like they're imposters. They feel like they got to where they're at by hustle hard work, but they don't know how to figure out where to go. Tons of them don't know their numbers. They couldn't tell you, you know, what their net profit is. They couldn't tell you what their ROI is. They couldn't tell you what they spent on marketing. So the biggest thing I see Martha is a lot of folks while they have the hustle, they have the grind. There is somewhat a real true, deep lack of belief in their ability to push it to the next level. Mm -hmm. So they get to the level that they can control. But what happens when they have to start letting go of the admin? What happens when they, you know, have to get off the truck and then they have two trucks, four trucks, six trucks. That's when I see folks like, man, can I do this? Making, making an admin hire mm-hmm. and that's pushing them. And I think when folks kind of get to that point, and I always come back to this, what's the worst that can happen? There are two things. You're not committed to this thing for life. If you look at a 40, 50, $60,000 salary, that's paid on a weekly basis. If it doesn't work out. You're out three weeks salary. You're not out a $60,000 lump. All hell breaks loose. You get back on the truck yourself and you're going to provide for your family. So like, let's push through, understand what's happening in your belief systems. Why are you feeling this way? Why are you trying to build this business? Get to their why and then help them get to that next level of belief in themselves and provide them the systems, the tools and the insights. When folks actually start to look at their budgets, start to look at their P&L, they're like, oh, it's 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 not as bad as I thought. It's This big, crazy budget thing is like, I actually like it now. And it gives them a comfort because here's the thing. When our brain doesn't know, it makes up a story. When you know what the deal is, like, okay, we're in trouble financially. Let's figure out how do we get out of it. But if you think you're in trouble, then you create these stories. Like there's a big bag of boogeyman underneath the bed. Like I'm going to lose everything. And it's like, no, we were just running a little bit tight this month. So I think it's really the mindset, Martha, that really, I think, helps people push through to the next level. And I see that come up a lot.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So um, what I hear you saying is with imposter syndrome, really what you do is help them break it down where it's not such a big, scary thing and smaller steps on how to move forward.
4: Correct. Just and again, we're. This is a you know how you guys have your fight club set up, right? We w- my first thing is dive in the financials. Mm-hmm. Like we got to understand like the financials, like what does the business look like? People have never even looked at, at a PL and don't understand like what net profit is or what their cogs are or anything. Then they get that confidence. It's like, oh, I understand my numbers. Okay, now we gotta dive into the marketing. What are we spending? How are we spending it? Then I get the confidence. All along, it's like, okay, what is the culture we're trying to build? And then it's like, what are the systems that we need to build in each one of these areas to give us the confidence that we can lean on them and understand what's happening in our business?
3: Yeah, and I sometimes wonder if like our organizations, our associations are fairly tight knit. And I sometimes wonder if, that feeds into that imposter syndrome in that you see these successful uh people who seem to have it all going on and um I, I just wonder if that feeds into like when you go to conferences and those kind of things as far as if there's that subconscious thing about uh yeah, I don't have it all together like they do. And they're at this level and um, that comparison thing, it's a good thing. And I think it can be a bad thing.
4: So listen, if, if you're just hearing this on podcast, and you don't see the video. I disappeared off screen while Martha was talking because I'm just chomping at the bit. Like this drives me insane, Martha, what you just hit. And I preach this to my folks. I want you to build the business that you want to build, not the business someone else wants to build for you. Mm -hmm. What happens? They go on the forum. Some guy posts 22 trucks. Okay, awesome. Like good hustle, good grind, good credit, whatever. I don't know what his P&L looks like. Mm -hmm. Like they could be broke. You know, what does the balance sheet look like? How much debt are they carrying? What's the story to get there? Everyone has a story and- It's comparison, Martha. When people begin to compare my business to someone else's business, that is another thing that I deal with all the time. Well, so-and-so posted this in the Facebook group and they're crushing it and I'm not. (laughs) I'm like, well, your market might be different. Your product might be different. You don't know what price they paid to get there. They may be two years ahead of you. There's so many things that we don't know. And when we compare ourselves with another company or another person, again, I, I love diving into the brain stuff, Like you're telling yourself in your brain, like, I'm not good enough. Like you're actually creating neural pathways to say, I'm not good enough. So we have to fight against that. That drives me absolutely crazy because there's vanity numbers. Top line revenue, honestly, in my world means nothing. Yeah. You, You could bust out two, three, five, 10 million. Yeah. If you don't have net profit to pay yourself, that's vanity. Okay. I'm off. I'm off. I'm off the stump. Let me settle down.
3: Well, uh, I'm not because I think think that, too, we forget the why. I mean, like for me, my why was a lot about freedom and not as much about the profit. I mean, certainly that matters, but uh, time freedom was big for me. And so when you're comparing yourself, your business to these shiny, shiny people out there in the internet, um, their why and your why may not even be the same.
4: hundred percent. So, so I'm not a success hater. I know a number of these folks that have built strong seven figure companies. I love them. I know them. They've done it right. Like post all the pictures. Like I want you to post 50 trucks, multi locations. That's not Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the folks that are just faking it because they can't make it. Mm -hmm. True story. I got on a call with a client. She starts crying. I'm like, what's up? And we've shed a lot of tears. Uh, Michelle mm-hmm. knows who this person is. We shed a lot of tears. She's overcome a lot of adversity running her business after her husband passed away. She's, she got on a call one day. She says, I'm content where I'm at. And I feel like I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a second. We've got a dichotomy right here. Like these things are incongruent,
3: right? Mm-hmm. Right?
4: She's a mom. She's like, mm-hmm. I want to be for, here for my child who's six my business is solid. I'm making the money that I want to make. And I'm like, you have achieved and arrived where you want to be. You've built the business you want to build. And she was fighting this urge to say, you know, Hey, other folks are doing so much more and so many more crews. And I don't feel worthy. And I had to disarm her and reframe and say, you are doing exactly what you're called to do. And that's to be a mom. And again, let me say this. Congrats and props and love and support to all you CEO moms out there who are CEOs of the home as well as the CEOs of your business. Like you are you have two full-time CEO jobs.
3: <laughs>
4: Most guys don't have that. So props to the ladies out there who are fighting through every week to be the CEO of two businesses not just one. So back back to the story. Anyway, I had to tell her, listen, it's okay. Let's build the business that you want to build. And she's building a lifestyle business. Let me say this. This might sound heretical or whatever. Gang, it's okay if you don't build a seven-figure business. Not everyone is on the track to build a seven-figure business. Matt, what are you talking about? You're all about scale and I, I get it. But here's the thing. People might find that sweet spot depending on their industry and I'll use the cleaners because I'm very familiar with that. That sweet spot of 700, 800k for you know two trucks, four crews. I mean, four four folks, high net profit, systems pretty pretty in check. They're not spending a ton of time in the business, and that's may that that may be the business that they want. I want to help them build that. Someone may come and say, I want multi locations and be a ten figure business. Well, then let's go that direction. Mm-hmm. I just want them to build the business that they want to build, not the business someone else is trying to say that they need to build.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Mm. Love it. So good. <laughs> yeah, it was good. We're going we're gonna to close there so I can pass can it back I, to Tay. Oh, can I interrupt yes. for two seconds? Because you're talking
2: about budgets and I was like biting my tongue, but I can't let it go. Matt, what <laughs> I find so helpful for people who have this mindset issue or have this fear who are trying to keep up with the Joneses is they don't, they say, they tell themselves the story that they're bad at math or that they're bad at money or that they're undeserving of money or that they're, you know, they're just the next big sail away from riding the ship. I, I feel like in business, we hear that every day, all day. And what I heard you describe is exactly what's true. As entrepreneurs, we need to play to our strengths and our strengths are, we like to take risks. Like we tend to be riskier than most other types of people. And we love a good challenge. Like we love to solve problems that tends to be true across the board for entrepreneurs. So when you do what Matt describes, and that is actually face your fears, look at that PL and and look at that budget. What naturally happens, the next step that naturally happens is we as entrepreneurs go challenge accepted. I can fix this. Problem. <laughs> but if we refuse to look at it, like if we keep our head in the sands, then it just gets worse and worse and worse. So I loved what you said, but I wanted to just bring back the nature part of that is that you have it in you, whether you're good at math or not, whether you're good at accounting or not, whether you're good at P&L or not, you have it in you to solve your own problems. You just have to have the, the courage to face them. So I, Here, that was really, really.
4: I love it. So sorry to interrupt, but <clears throat> here's, here's what has helped me overcome some of my limiting beliefs. Everything anyone... Knows they learned. Everything is learnable. Quick story, and then we can bounce. I had I had someone that I was working with for almost three years. Like, build a budget, build a budget, yeah, 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 build a budget, build a budget, yeah, yeah, and just could not like get through. Like, we got to build a budget, got to build a budget. Like, I was hammering him. So finally, his company took a turn where he had to make the shift because. They're leaning on him to be the C- CFO now. And he had to know it. So we went through, I went through the budget. I built it with him. And when it was done, he said, you know, it wasn't that big a deal at all. I'm like, I know. So <laughs> point? Like, we create the monsters. We need to start slaying monsters of limiting beliefs and get after it. Dive into your numbers. You will be confident and empowered to run your business.
2: And it, and it doesn't have to be hard anymore. It's going to be the last thought. But uh, I did a budget with a $15 million company the other day in 20 minutes. You, there, there are tools now, automations, AI. We can build budgets fast now. Like, it doesn't have to be a full week process. It doesn't have right. to be like the state of California, an entire month budgeting process. Like, we need to throw numbers on the board that hit us at our goal with reasonable expectations and then we just need to keep honing it in so um i love that we talked budgeting during the culture (laughs) section and we talked culture during the people section or the money section um yeah we're all tipsy-turvy today thank you matt for that
3: (laughs) all right tay you want to get us started on our homework of course I do. It's,
1: I think this is all of our favorite parts outside of getting to talk with our guests. So, Matt, you are more than welcome. Um, we will go ahead and kind of go around our four of us first um, to give homework here at the end. This is what we feel makes our podcast a little bit different than others as we do hold our listeners accountable to what they heard today. And I I teared up a few times. I think there's a lot of inspiration that was being said today and a lot of things that we might not take a look at personally in our own lives. So as business owners, this is something that I think you're gonna have a, quite a few tough pieces of homework this week, but we do ask you to only choose one. So that way you can make sure you're moving the needle forward in your business. And if you complete that one and you still have time left in the week, then we of course encourage you to go after another one, but just make sure at the at the first jump to just choose one because it's really, sometimes these are pretty tough and they are lengthy. So. As far as marketing goes, Matt made a great point in a visual aspect about the marketing being like a mall, right? So we're looking at the mall and trying to figure out what door our clients come in through. And I think looking at that visually is a completely different way than I've had a, had to look at it before, because normally we just say like, you know, where did they come from? Where do they come from? But that visual aspect of that really helps to say, how important that is. Because if they're coming in by Spent by like Sears or Spencer's or a store like that, versus coming in by like Nordstrom, you know that's a different type of clientele. Like those are two mm-hmm. different types of clients coming from different areas that have completely different types of ways that we need to be marketing towards them. So it really does heavily impact the business and knowing what door they came through. So this week, I really want to encourage you to not just ask the first question of, hey where did you happen to find us go to that second one really start to dig a little bit deeper as to where this client came from how they found you and start to build that relationship with them and most likely this is being done through your admin but this is going to help your admin as well really start to understand where leads are coming from how to interact with them how to speak to those type of clients because again every client that comes from a different type of avenue different type of marketing may need a different type of way of conversing with them. So that's going to be your homework this week. I know it's kind of a lot, but um, more of it is on the, the back end kind of thought process of it, in my opinion.
2: Love it. Love it. Um, so for our finance homework, we're going to talk about this accountability of teams. So I want you to pull up your budget, hopefully. If you don't have a budget, I want you to pull up your goal um, for this year, for 2023. And i want you to sit down and i want you to think about what are the top three things that a technician in the field of your company needs to do today to help you crush that goal like what is it that they do all day every day that would help you achieve whatever number you wrote on a piece of paper for the year and then i want you to start talking to them about it we inherently want to know that we're doing a good job so i want you to start celebrating when they do those three things and if you create a culture of celebration you create a culture of motivation right? Everybody wants to be bragged on. They want to be praised on. They want to be noticed. They, they're, they're showing up every day. So give them some direction and you already set the target. You just need to figure out how does the right hand talk to the left hand and how do we do this together? So that's going to be your homework this week. Think about the top three things that a technician in the field needs to do today to help you achieve your goal on December 31st of this year.
0: Well, that one's so good. And for your systems homework, I'm going to have you check out the uh, uh, the software that I'm going to drop in the group, and it is 90.io. It's a really clean, easy way to get those core values and get your accountabilities and all of those things written down. Sometimes it's just really hard to start from a blank piece of paper. So it gives you a, a wayfinding place to start with all of those tools and then a place where people can go in and collaborate. I use it every single day in my company. So I would encourage you to go check it out.
3: Okay. And your people homework is... Um, kind of a weird one, but I want you to figure out, you're the people, I want you to figure out your why. So if, if you haven't thought about that for a while, because your why may have changed. And if you haven't thought about it, what I want you to do is make a list of all the things that you love about your business. And then Mm -hmm. I want you to make a list of all the things that you really don't love about your business. And then why, why do you have your business? What, what does it, what purpose does it serve for you and what do you want out of it? And then just make sure that what you're working on gets you closer to your why. That's your homework.
4: Also good. (laughs) Okay. Do I get to give mindset homework? okay before i do a quick story literally today before this call one of my clients quoted megan she saw you on TikTok about doing your own budget and that giving you confidence so props to you that social media message got out she's determined to take control of her budget so good job on that your mindset homework this is what i want to challenge you where did this limiting belief or thought come from how does it make me feel and have I, been feel, how, have I been experiencing and going back to other events that reinforce this feeling? Like mm-hmm. I'm not good at money. So I always look for things of why I'm not good for money. I'm not tall enough. I'm not smart enough. I, I can't close. Evaluate those things, check your mindset, touch on all this other homework, guaranteed you'll be in the fight a lot longer. Ooh. I, just, I, just, I just closed the podcast for you. I just closed it. All right, gang. Thanks <laughs> for the Fight Club for Business. With her, Matt Clark. With Woo! our host today, we will see you on the next episode. Keep on fighting.
2: You are so hilarious. <laughs> I kind of want to just screw, screw the quote and just close it there. I mean, like, that's no, perfect. No, I mean, let's do it. Fine. No, fine. Okay. No, I've got a quote, <laughs> right. but no. Tay wants to ask how people can find you.
1: What if people don't want what if they want to find you? I mean, I hope they're not looking under a rock, like we said in the <laughs> beginning of the show. But I really hope they can have a way of finding you because there was so much inspiration said today. And I listeners just need to know, Matt. They need to know.
4: Okay. So I did do a good job of branding early. So my, my website is Matt Clark MC. The letters MC, Matt MC.com. Mm-hmm.
3: All my social
4: handles are at Matt Clark MC.
3: Nice.
2: Perfect. Easy to find. Easy. I'm friending you now.
3: <laughs>
4: thank you. Thank you.
1: I love, I love when people, you know, take a good job at branding early on and get those things across the board the same way. It makes life so much easier. Love it.
4: Oh, that's, then, my, that's my speaking page. All right. Thank you.
1: Woohoo! Hey, you're welcome. Go.
0: You're welcome. Let's go. And Matt, we always end with a, uh, a quote, and I love this one. And it says, we won't be distracted by comparison. If we're captivated by purpose, felt like that one could not come Ooh. from you. Ooh, good one, huh? Who, who, who's,
4: who, who quoted that?
0: Um, it is on a love and fitness website, so I will do my more research to find. I out love it. That like I got
4: goosebumps. That is that is a that is a legit quote. Good it job. Is.
0: We won't be distracted by comparison if we're captivated by purpose. Mm. It was so fun to have you here. I am so grateful for your friendship, your kindness, and all the things you've spoken into my life personally. Thank you so much for being you and for joining us today. I am so grateful. Everybody have a great day
2: out there. (laughs) let him close it out one more time because that was so
4: good. All right, entrepreneurs, thank you for joining this edition of Fight Club for Business. You have been hanging with the rock stars of the Fight Club. Stay in the fight. Keep fighting. It is worth it at the end. Talk soon. See you on the next episode.
0: (laughs) Bye, everybody. Go Go fight. 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 See you, everybody.
4: Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly
0: homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business.
3: Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Fight Club for Business.